What follows is message one of one of the fall college outing held in Austin, Texas on the 23rd of November, 2013. Good. Got the brothers up front here. That's great. Okay, before we start, uh, first of all, I want to thank you all for coming. Uh, I don't know if you guys have listened to the latest weather report, but there's now a winter weather advisory starting tomorrow at 2 p.m. Possible sleet and snow tomorrow in Austin, Texas. <laughs> So uh, anyways, we got rain today, so we could all make it to the outing, but uh, I don't know about tomorrow night. We'll see. Uh, anyways, we're always, you know, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, it's funny how the Texans get all excited about, you know, a half an inch of ice on the road. Uh, usually the schools close down. You don't know how many times University of Texas has closed down for a half an inch of ice on the road. And don't be surprised if it happens again Monday morning. Uh, or they so don't get if you, if you have a test on Monday I think you better study for it don't tempt the Lord <laughs> uh, anyways you know I wanted to ask because I know there's so many here this is your uh, first semester meeting Christian students on campus and we're real happy y'all came out today uh, how about uh, those stand up if this is your first semester meeting with Christian students on campus? Could you all stand up? We're not going to make you do anything. I just want to, you know, just welcome you and uh, thank you for coming. And Okay, stay standing. Stay standing. And uh, if, this is, uh, if, if this is your second year meeting with Christian students on campus, could you all stand up? Yeah, this is great. We're, we're very good. Very happy to have you all. Thank you. Okay, uh, if you look in your little booklet on page 15, uh, this is the message we're going to be on tonight. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I wanted to just give a, an introductory word, so don't get too distracted by the, the outline quite yet. Um, you know, if you remember, Kyle gave this little testimony when he's up here that we're following in the steps of Abraham. Isn't that what the word says? And... Um, what we had planned to do for these three outings, this outing, the one that comes in the spring, and then the next one next fall, is to cover Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, this would be Abraham. Uh, when we meet in the spring, it will be Isaac. And then when we meet next fall, it will be Jacob. And in Matthew 22, when the Sadducees are giving the Lord a hard time about resurrection, he actually mentions the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And, you know, this to us is not just a term. You know, sometimes people say, oh yeah, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's just a kind of a doctrinal term. It doesn't mean that much. But what we want to share with you tonight, and so that you can have a, a real appreciation, uh, we're not just here uh, for Bible knowledge. But what we're here is to see a complete experience of God's called ones. Okay, so let me say that again because I don't want you to miss this. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob unveils to us, opens to us, our complete experience as God's called ones on the earth. And in Abraham, we see certain things like we saw in the first session, living by faith. Uh, we'll see this one uh, in this session, knowing grace for the fulfillment of God's purpose. But there's certain things that Abraham had that are not seen in Jacob and are not seen in Isaac. In other words, 
in Abraham, we see one that's called by God. But you don't see that in Isaac, or you don't see that in Jacob. But there's certain things in Jacob that you don't see in Abraham. So you have to have all three for a complete picture of the experience of God's called ones. So if you just stop with Abraham, you get some of the picture. But you don't get the complete picture. If you just stop with Isaac, you get more of the picture, but you don't get the complete picture. Eventually, you have to have all, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to get a complete picture of the called ones, experience. In, in, in Jacob, you see the Lord's transformation. You see the Lord's maturity. With Abraham, as good as it was, there's no maturity there with Abraham. It's really good. It's a good beginning. But if you want to really see maturity in the Christian life, you have to go to Jacob. If you want to see transformation, you have to go to Jacob. That's why I say you have to have all three for a complete experience of our calling. Okay, well, uh, we started with living by faith, so let me write that on the board. Uh, we have living by faith. I'll just put L by F. Now, for those that, let me just, let me, let me uh, qualify who I'm asking. How about those that have just been around a year? What two words, based on what we read, exemplify living by faith? What two words? Okay, if you didn't get these two words, you're going to miss the first part of Abraham's life, which is living by faith. What two words typify living by faith? Okay, do you, do you know those two words, Abishai? Seed's good, but that's going to be in this message. Okay. Anybody want to just take a guess? Two words. Jackie, you want to take a guess? What are those two words that really typify living by faith? Anybody want to take a guess? It's okay if you don't get it right. <laughs> you don't have to, Okay, here we go. Go ahead. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's good. It's the start. Lord Jesus. <laughs> okay, David, what, give me one of the words. Or were you just calling on the Lord just to exercise? <laughs> that is the base of our faith. Yes, it is. It is. Okay, anybody want to take a chance? It's very good. It's not quite there yet. God's grace is excellent, but it's not there yet. God's appearance is really good. You can't get called without God's appearing. Okay, two words. I'm glad I'm going back. You know, I'm taking a step back to make sure we get this. Okay, do you want to try? Go ahead. Alter. Oh. Alter. Okay, altar. What's the second word? Ten. Ten. Oh, yeah, it was, it was pretty easy after you got altar. Okay, now, sometimes in the Bible, a contrast is raised up so we can appreciate these words. So in the contrast to the altar, this is, you know, Abraham... 
he was a little slow in answering God's call, and he was with his father in a city. Do you remember the name of the city? It's Babel. And that city had, instead of an altar, they had a what? Tower. And with that tower, just like we have, right? We have a tower. So you need to be reminded you're not part of that tower, right? Okay, so with that tower, what was the, the, the striking characteristic about that tower is they built that tower to do what? To make a name for themselves. The tower always signifies making a name for yourself. But at the altar, they were, he was what? Calling on the name. So this is a real test. In your daily life, are you a caller or are you making a name for yourself? You know what? The, the, the life of the call one is at the altar, and he's calling on the name. So let's just put calling. All right, then the tent here, when he was in Babel, it was a big, big city, right? And in that city, I'm going to put these, I'm going to just put it down in a very abbreviated way. There's three P's. Do you know what the three P's are? You know why people built a city? Okay, first one is protection. I mean, that's just, if you read, you know, records, sociological, archaeological records, first reason, protection. Second reason is what? Provision. They had, to, they had to have some type of way to sustain their life. They had provision. And what was the third one? Pleasure. So do you, you get these three words here? We have protection, provision, and pleasure. How about the tent? What was in the tent? The tent was Abraham's living. What was in the tent? <laughs> yeah, they had some type of something to sleep on. Okay, what was the, what was the thing that really separated that tent from a city? You know what the thing was, and and we'll see it when we get into Genesis 18. That tent had God's presence. God's presence. So you know, like. I like Chris's testimony. Why are you spending all that time with those people? That's right, Chris. Why are you? Because in this tent, we have God's presence. And you know what this tent testifies of? It testifies just like the sister shared. Everything on the earth is temporary. Everything on the earth is fading. It's temporary. It's fading. It's not here tomorrow. Everything's fading. But there's one thing that's not fading. That's God's presence. And in the tent, we have God's presence. So, again, the question is, do you want this? And people boast this degree and that attainment and this. Or do you want this, God's presence? Chris, what do you want? Yeah, absolutely. Chris, you would not be here on a Saturday night if you didn't want the tent. This is what our life is. Our life is a life of the altar, fellowship with God, 
Worship, contacting God, calling on the name. What is our life? A life of the tent, having God's presence. This is our life. This is the life of the called one. Okay. If you look at that, that first outline there, the title is an interesting title. It says, Knowing Grace for the Fulfillment of God's Purpose. So you have to kind of break this down. You have to see there's a purpose. There's a way to get that purpose is by grace. And we'll get into this as we get into this message. But before we start this message, we have to kind of get into it in a slow way and see the two categories of God's doing for the called. And two things are one, or A, is for him to what? Exist. Okay, now, could you read, how about sisters read 12.10, Genesis 12.10. Could you all read it, please? Go ahead. Okay, brothers, 13, 1 and 2. Okay, he went down in famine. How did he come up? Very rich. rich, very rich in livestock and silver, gold. I think other verses say men servants, maid servants. God took care of Abraham. God provided for Abraham. This was what's, what he's showing us here. God was his provision. And not only was God his provision, he protected him. You know, later, which we don't have the time to read, but... There's verses where his nephew gets taken away by these kings and, and Abraham musters up an army of how many men? 318 men, right? Something, something, it's small. And yet still, these 318 men defeat these, what, four kings, is it? Four or five kings, rescues Lot, brings them back. And you see, in all this life here in chapters 12, 13, and 14, God is taking care. He's taking care of his provision. He's taking care of protecting him. In every way, God is taking care of, of Abraham. And it sounds really good. And if you just had 12 through 14, you might be like, wow, that's it. Life of faith. Altar in the tent. You can't get any better than that. It's so good. God's taking care of me. God's protecting me. Now, if you write down one thing, write this down. To exist is one thing, and to fulfill God's purpose is another thing. So let me say that again. To exist is one thing, and to fulfill God's purpose is another thing. You know what? As good as all those things were, they mainly were something to take care of his existence on the earth. They were mainly there. You know, it, the thing that is, I, would, I don't want to call this a tragedy, but I would just say there's a sadness that with many Christians today, they're consumed with how God can take care of me. You know, you think, think of the different things. And even think of your own prayer. And I'm not saying these prayers are bad, but it shouldn't just stop here. How many Christians, you ask them, what can we pray for? It's a better job. 
Have, have you all prayed for someone to get a better job? Absolutely. How about this? A good husband. Sisters, you're lying to me if you didn't, if you didn't pray for a husband. You're lying. Okay. How about this, brothers? A good wife. Abishak, you ever prayed for a good wife? Okay. How about this? Your education. Sometimes I'm in the home meeting, we open it up, and brothers, what can we pray for this week? Three tests, two papers due. And I'm fine with that. That's good. I mean, we should pray for those things. Don't, don't think I'm belittling it in the sense that we should pray for those things. Um, but brothers and sisters, should it stop there? See, this is the question I have. Should it stop just with a good existence? No. God has a purpose. We have to be people that not only are taking care of our existence. I mean, why are we living on the earth? Why do we have a house? Think about it. Why do we have a car? Why do we have clothes? It's for God's purpose. It's absolutely for God's purpose. Okay, you know, in this, in B, it says... For him to fulfill God's purpose. Could the sisters read Genesis 126a? Ready? Go. Okay. This is his purpose. He'd have a corporate people expressing him and representing him. Okay, brothers, let's do 12.2. Ready? Go. So he's going to make Abraham a great nation. Doesn't that imply something corporate, something of a seed there, something of the kingdom? He's going to make him a great nation, and he's going to bless him. For what reason? To ex so that he can express God. So Abraham's there, and there's, an, there's two things in Roman numeral 2. There's two things that are needed for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Uh, if he's going to get a people that express him and represent him, what does he need? Okay, he needs a seed. And if you'll see there in A, I have the seed, and then I have in parentheses Christ. All right, so here's, here's another question to all the, these are the ones that have been here, you know, one and two years. If you're, if you're like one of these, uh, you know, veterans, I'm not asking you. What is the first verse in the New Testament? Okay, I want you to think about it. The very first verse. This is not like a trick question. This is not, you know, a Jesus wept question. <laughs> I'm asking you for the first verse in Matthew 1 1. Hey, David, do you know the first verse in Matthew 1 1? <laughs> okay, who's got their phone handy or their Bible ready that can stand up and read Matthew 1.1? Okay, you have to, sister, you've got to really push out your spirit when you read it, okay? Okay, and read that last phrase, especially with your spirit. 
Okay, the son of David, the son of who? Abraham. Son of Abraham. You know, ultimately, the fulfillment of that seed is Christ. Amen. Don't you think it's important that Abraham had a seed? Is it good? Well, I just have a cushy life. Got a good wife. You know, you read the verses. The Egyptians thought his wife was beautiful. You read that. Got a, I've got a nice life. Gold, silver, livestock, beautiful wife. Let's just stop here. Son of Abraham, Jesus Christ. He needs a seed. Don't stop with the cushy life. There needs to be a seed produced in our life, both individually and corporately. The seed has to be produced. Okay, then let's go ahead and read Genesis 15, 2 through 5. How about brothers on two and we'll alternate. Ready, brothers? Go. And Abram said, O Lord Jehovah, for I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Okay, he, even Abraham realized it's not good enough. I'm childless. I'm going childless, Lord. Okay, when he got called, if you read the beginning of Genesis chapter 12, he was 75 years old. And after this had happened, all these, the chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14... All the ups and downs, going down to Egypt, the famine, coming up out of Egypt with the riches, the striving between he and his, his uh, nephew Lot, the, 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 uh, the rescue of Lot. All this happened eventually. What comes out of Abraham's mouth? I go childless. Purpose comes out. You know what? In our being, there's something that comes out. It's saying purpose. Don't be satisfied just with a good existence. We need to have a child, if you'll understand in spiritual terms. Christ needs to be brought forth. Okay, sisters, go ahead, two. Oh, three, I mean. Brothers. But then, but then the word of Jehovah came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir. But he who will come out from your own body shall be your heir. Brothers, I mean sisters. Okay, so he says to the Lord, I go childless. And then what does he say? You haven't given me a seed. But I have this servant in my house, and he says, this servant in my house is what? My heir. Do you see that in verse 3? A servant in my house is my heir. So, in a sense, he had this servant, Eleazar, and he was saying, okay, what I have, this is going to be the seed. Because, think about it, he's 75, doesn't look like it's too much hope. He says, okay, I have this servant, Eleazar. He's going to be my heir. Then the, the Lord is so strong. He says, this man shall not be your heir. But he who will come out from your own body shall be your heir. Okay, the point we have to make here is this. Whatever we have 
cannot produce the seed. Your education, your skills, your attainments cannot and will not produce Christ. Whatever we have. You know what? You could just boil it down to this. Whatever you have is just an Eleazar picked up in Damascus. That's all that you have. You know, when the Apostle Paul was, was talking, he gives, I mean, his whole list of what he was like there in Philippians. Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, you know, uh, blameless according to the law. I mean, you talk about a list. Do you know what he said about that list in Philippians? You know, this was, he gives this long list and you go, wow, I'd be good just to have that. Eventually, you know what his summation, his conclusion of that list was? Dung. Dog food. What things were gains to me, they were counted loss on account of Christ. Everything that he had picked up from Gamaliel, he counted it as a loss. Pharisee of Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees, according to my understanding, had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Loss. Everything we pick up cannot fulfill God's purpose. I just want you to get that. It has to be Christ himself wrought into our being. And as he's wrought into our being and he comes out through us, then the seed is produced. There's nothing that we have that can produce that seed. And, you know, we have two, uh, but what God promised to work out, and that's Christ. Okay, and look at these verses. I mean, Galatians, I love these verses in Galatians. Uh, the first verse is Galatians 1.15 and 16a. One of the sisters read that. Go ahead. Okay, to reveal what? His son in me. His son in me. Okay, brothers, Galatians 2.20. Ready, go. I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. It is Christ who lives in me. Then together on 4.19. Ready, go. My children, with whom I travail again in birth, until Christ is born in you. Right. So eventually, Paul was clear. Everything I have doesn't mean anything. Christ has to be, first of all, revealed. Secondly, he has to be living in me. And third, he has to be formed in me. Then the seed can be produced. Okay, then uh, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but the other thing to fulfill God's purpose is the land, and this is the Christ in whom we live. And let me just give you five points on the land, uh, and I'm not going to get into it in detail. Uh, the first point is the land is a place where God's people, they live in the land. Have you ever thought we need to live in Christ? We have to live in him. Not only does he live in us, we need to live in him. And then it's a place for them to live on. And, you know, when I was getting ready for this, I'm saying, well, you know, come on. What's the difference between live in and live on? What's the difference between living in the land, living on the land? Well, think of all the rich produce of the land. 
they had to they had to work on the land. They had to labor on the land to produce that rich produce. But when they came to the feast three times a year, it was packed with rich produce because they had a living on the land. And you know what? It's the same with us. Okay, how many of y'all, I know some of y'all go to the district meetings to prophesy on the Lord's Day. If you do, raise your hand if you go to the district meetings to prophesy or if you've ever been to one. Okay, what have we been doing all week? We've been living on the land. We've been working Christ. What's our job is to labor on Christ. And then when we come there to the district meeting, what are we doing? We're offering up the produce of our labor. And that's why the district meetings, I love them. They're so rich. It's not, you know, tonight you get, you get, I mean, a grape, one speaker speaking. That's about it. I hope it's juicy, but anyways, it's a grape. Okay, but you come to the district meeting on Lord's Day morning. By the way, there's one of them in here tomorrow morning, if you've never been to one. And what it is, is you see these people that have been laboring on the land all week long, and one by one, educated, uneducated people with a great job people with a lousy job people that are poor people that are rich students people that have never finished high school they come together and they've been laboring on Christ and one by one they offer up what they enjoyed of Christ let me tell you what that is that's called an F-E-A-S-T a feast that's what that's called to me to me think about it is christ can christ the riches paul said that i might preach among the nations the unsearchable riches of christ as the gospel the unsearchable riches of christ can that be really shown in one man speaking no but as all the believers from their daily life, from their daily, the down times in their daily life. And they called on the Lord in their distress. And the up times, they gained Christ. And in the blah, mediocre times, they gained Christ. And they stand up one by one and they speak Christ because they've been living on the land. That is a feast. It's just like, I've given the illustrations like a big salad. It is. It's like a big salad. You know, there's lettuce. But you know what? If you don't have the carrot, something's missing. If you don't, you know, and, and some of them are very creative. They have like, you know, the cranberries, little cranberries, then the little almonds in there and things like that. Take away the cranberries and what's that salad going to be like? Take away the almonds and what is that salad going to be like? You know, many times we come to that feast and we go, oh, all I got is cranberries this week. You know what? We need cranberries on that salad. You know, Philip comes, all I got is these little cherry tomatoes this week. You know, people bite them, they squirt people. I don't know. <laughs> Philip, Philip, they need your cherry tomatoes. This is the prophesying meeting. This is the district meeting. It's, it's the people of God laboring on Christ and building up the church. It's a great thing. And, and listen, this is something the Lord in, in history has been working for ages. And I really mean that, ages to recover this. Ages to recover this. For, for a long period of time, Chris, one man speaking. One man speaking. 
You know what? Tonight, one man speaking. Tomorrow morning, many will speak. You know what? All I want to do is I just want to put a little groceries up. Just put them on the table, just a few groceries. But really, the fullness of Christ is seen in all the believers offering up their portion of Christ. And this, let me tell you something, this is a great recovery. It's a great recovery. People that have lived to work, that have learned to work on the land, it's a great recovery. So when you come to a prophesying meeting, you know, some of you all were born in the church, raised up in the church. I see Benjamin in front of me. I helped his dad come into the church. So here's Benjamin. And you've been, you know, in those meetings. Yeah, that brother's funny. That sister goes too long. You know, we, we, we have all the funny things, you know, as, as kids that grew up this way. Brother, you have to realize, no small thing when you come to a meeting on the Lord's Day morning. God is recovering something that for ages has been missing. And that is the building up by all the believers. Okay. Uh, sorry, I got a little distracted on that. Then number three, it's a place where God's enemies can be defeated. Okay, you live on the land, that's where his enemy is, they're defeated. And then it's a place where God could have his kingdom, that's number four. And then finally, it's a place he could have his habitation. On the land, he can actually have a habitation there on the land. Okay, so, you know, I have a couple of verses there, but I, I like Colossians 2.6. Let's all read Colossians 2.6 together. Ready, go. Doesn't that sound like land to you? What should you do? Walk in Him. What is our daily life all about? Walking in Him. Abishak, how do you like that? Walk in Him, Abishak. Walk in Him. You know, you see the brothers on campus, you need to ask them, Brother, where are you walking? In Him. Abishak, you're not in your mind, right? Hey, Abishak. Where are you walking? In him. All right. <laughs> Good. Okay. Then three, uh, gaining, gaining Ishmael by, uh-oh, Hagar, uh-oh, the effort of the flesh with the law. Okay. Now, right down next to this one, 86. Okay. Do you remember the first number I gave you? 75. Now, 11 years later, 86, no seed. God didn't take anything that he had, and everybody's getting a little antsy. They're getting antsy. No seed, and 86 years old, what are we going to do? Jackie, what are we going to do? No seed. What are we going to do? You know what? Sarah had a good idea. Sarah said, I've got this maiden, Hagar. Just take Hagar and produce the seed. Okay, you know what? This is the big temptation. As soon as we see it, that God needs a seed, and we realize he can't use anything I have, then we use our own strength, our own energy, our own ability to try to produce that seed. So you become a Christian. You know, I, I know a lot of you all got baptized recently. Okay, if you got baptized in the last three weeks, stand up. All the ones that got baptized in the last three weeks, stand up. 
Okay, and I know there's more. Hey, Shenny, where are you hiding back there? <laughs> okay, that's great. Okay, thank you. You know, you know what happens after, you know, you have this freshness, this newness with the Lord. You just, you know, everything's so good. You want to try to be a good Christian. And so what you do is you say, okay, I've got baptized. I've received Christ. I'm not going to lose my temper anymore. I'm just not going to lose it. So let me tell you a funny story. So, um, Jose Luis, he's not here, so I can tell on him. <laughs> okay. He goes up to Don Looper. This was a brother who used to be with us, very, very mature in the Lord. And he says, he said, Don, do you ever lose your temper? Okay, so this is what Don did. was Don said, give me a piece of paper. He said, and he says, he wrote down this number. He says, call this lady and ask her. This is his wife's phone number. <laughs> okay, we, we think, okay, man, okay, I'm, I'm a believer now. I cannot lose my temper. Okay, that becomes our self-made law. It's our Hagar. And then we, in our own strength, try to fulfill that law. Hey, Chris, I know you're a nice guy. Do you ever lose your temper, Chris? Do you all believe him? <laughs> Chris, give me that phone number. <laughs> okay, how about this, sisters? Second commandment. I'm going to be nice, sweet, and humble. Okay, I'm a Christian now, you know. Be sweet. Be nice. And be humble. Okay, and so you exercise to be nice and to be sweet and to be humble. Listen, here's, here's where the pitfall is. You might be successful. This is where the real pitfall is. You know what Abraham said to God after Ishmael was rejected? Do you know what he said? He said, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And we think, okay, I made it. I didn't lose my temper. I made it. I was sweet, humble, and nice. I made it. And we think we've really produced something. It's almost like saying, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And do you know what the safeguard is? Because you might think, well, Brother Neil, how do you know if it's Christ or it's just my own energy? That, that thought might come to you. Well, there is a safeguard to that, and that is this. After Abraham produced Ishmael, he lost God's presence for 13 years. So yes, you did produce something, but where is God's presence? The safeguard is, do you have God's presence? This is a safeguard. Is it an Ishmael? And is it just the effort of your flesh, your strength? No presence of God. But if it's something that's Christ working in you and coming out of you, that is full of God's presence. And people will taste it. They will taste God's presence. So that's the next one. Is that That's the result of Abraham's exercise of the flesh. He was lo he losing God's presence for 13 years. Okay, look. Now, here's the third number. 
Here's the third number. Can we all read Genesis 17, 1a? Ready? Go. And when Abram was 99 years old, Jehovah appeared to Abram. Third number. So we have 75, 86, 99. And Abraham felt 99 years old. How am I going to produce the seed? You know what? Let me tell you something. It's when you come to the point you're 99 years old, and you realize, I can't do it. That's when God can come in. Amen. That's when El Shaddai comes in. That's when the all-sufficient God appears. And if you don't get to 99 quick, you're going to have 13 years of, I'm going to work at it. I'm not going to do this. I am going to do this. I'm going to exercise to be a good Christian. Hey, Chris, have you ever been in that, that realm of, I'm going to do this and then fail. Me too. Me too. It's just, it's just so unsatisfying, isn't it? Man, Chris, you were born again. You're a child of the king. And you're still like that, Chris. Me too. Hey, Chris, we have to get to the point where 99. 86 doesn't cut it. You have to get to 99 where you say, God, I can't do it. And when you get to 99 and you say, I can't do it, that's when he comes in. Okay, so let's read this verse here. Uh, 17.1b. Let's all read it together. Ready? Go. Jehovah appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the all-sufficient God. Walk before me and be perfect. Okay, so two things there. Walk before me and be perfect. Walk before me and be perfect. Who was Abraham walking before this time? He was walking before some people. You know who he was walking before? Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael. He was walking before these people, and this is where he came to, something that God rejected. Now he says, walk before who? Me. Walk before me. And then he says, be perfect. Do you know what perfect, be perfect signifies? Abraham, you're lacking something. It's not, we're not talking about that he was a perfect person. Being perfect means that what you lack is added to you to fulfill and to complete you. We mean perfect in the sense of completeness. Abraham, you were, you're lacking something. You need to walk before me and be perfect. But in order to understand what he's getting at here, you have to understand the title, All-Sufficient God. This word, All-Sufficient God, is made up of two words in Hebrew. The first one is El. Okay, El means the strong one, the mighty one. The second word is Shaddai. And what Shaddai means is breast, utter, all-sufficient. He's the almighty one with an utter. Bro, that's going to blow your religious mind right now. <laughs> hey, Abishek, do you ever know that your God is the all-sufficient one with an utter? Okay, bro, listen. You know what he wanted Abraham to do? He wanted to walk before him is stay there at the utter and receive the supply. Enjoy him. To walk before him is just to be there enjoying 
the rich supply from that utter. Abraham, that's right. You've come to 99 years old. That's right. You can't produce a seed. You finally made it to 99. Now I'm going to reveal who I am. I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one with an utter. Brother, you have to enjoy that. I know when I first heard it, I went, oh, utter, utter. God is like a big cow. What? All-sufficient one with an utter? Yes, God is an all-sufficient one with an utter to supply you so that you can fulfill God's purpose. Because we already tried. Everything we had was just what? Eleazar. Everything we can do is what? Ishmael. What we have, we can't produce God's purpose. What we do can't produce God's purpose. Now, stop, Abraham, and walk before me and Make up what's lacking in you. You're lacking God. And you need to be at the utter daily, moment by moment, to take in the rich supply that God's purpose can be fulfilled in you, Abraham. How many, how many of this is the first time you've heard what El Shaddai means? Raise your hand. Is it, is it, is it like tilt? Is it a mind blower? The all-sufficient one with an utter? Check it in the Hebrew. Kyle will help you. He'll get into the Hebrew text with you. It's the all-sufficient one with an utter. God wants you to be supplied with himself to make up what's lacking in you that a seed can be produced. And let me tell you, saints, sooner or later, you're going to get to 99. Even tonight, even tonight, you might not believe me. It's too much. Utter, all-sufficient one with an utter, it's too much. Wait till you get to be 99 and you'll be at that utter. And you'll realize this is the only way God's purpose can be fulfilled is I come to an end and I'm at the utter every moment of the day taking in the supply that Christ can be formed in me and the seed can be produced. Brothers, there's no other way. No other way. You have to walk before him and be perfect by being at that utter to receive the supply. Then the last point is by circumcision. Right after this, he talks about circumcision, putting off the flesh, the self, and the old man, because positively we have to be at the other, but we still have to put off that natural strength, that natural energy. I mean, the fact is we are crucified with Christ, but we have to apply that every day by the Spirit, by saying, just like Paul said, I now listen to what Paul said in Philippians. Again, I have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence. That's the attitude. On the positive side, at the utter. Negatively, I have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence. Then, let's read Genesis 17, 10, and 11. Brothers, go. Which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised. Okay. And then the New Testament application. Sisters, could you read Colossians 2.11? Okay, when these two things happen, we're at the supply and we cut off, put to death, the natural man with its strength. Guess what happens? See, the birth of Isaac is promised. Okay, let's read Genesis 17, 19. Ready, go. 
But God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his seed after him. Okay, so this is it. That's the end of the message. In review, we are a people not just for our existence. We are a people to fulfill God's purpose. That purpose is involved with two things, the seed and the land. It cannot be produced by what we have, by our education, our attainments, our skills. It cannot be produced by what we can do, our natural strength, our energy. It can only be produced by Christ himself being wrought into our being day by day and that Christ eventually being lived out of us as the seed and, and, and lived in as the land, then Christ, the purpose of God, is produced. Amen. Okay, so we, right now it's seven past. I think we could have maybe five or ten minutes. It doesn't have to be much of some just sharing. Uh, just stand up if you want to just read a sentence from it, from the outline, that's fine. But let's just uh, have a few minutes of sharing. It doesn't have to be long. And then I think the sisters have some pies over there, some dessert. <laughs>